you beyond the borderline this is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. Hi, this is Aline and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Borderline. This episode is all about boundaries. Now, I actually recorded a different episode. I wrote everything out and I read it and I recorded it and I went back and edited it. And when I listened to it, it just sounded really convoluted and rambling and quite confused. And so I decided I needed to do the whole thing again. This is going to be quite off the cuff. So be warned that there might be some ums and ahs. I'll try and edit out as much as I can. Uh, So here goes with my second try of my episode on boundaries. Now, boundaries is, of course, an absolutely huge topic. There's no way that I can cover anything super comprehensive when it comes to talking about boundaries in a short podcast episode. My aim, as always, is to bring you specific actionable tips that you can use to help you to cultivate and enact healthy boundaries in your life and in your relationships. So what I thought I would do to structure this episode is to go to an article that I found online by uh, Dr. Ariel Schwartz. Now, Ariel Schwartz seems to write quite a bit about CPTSD and trauma. And the article I found by her is called Boundaries in the Self. I will link that article in the episode notes so you can go and have a look if you're interested. I specifically, I'm going to focus on five practices that she includes in this article as ways to develop healthy boundaries. There's a lot more to the article. She talks about the origins of core boundaries and trauma in childhood and a lot of information that I think is best left in the article for you to go and look at if you're interested. I'm going to focus on the five practices that she suggests in this article as a way of developing healthy boundaries. They are body awareness, strengthen your boundary awareness by exploring the cues in the body that give you feedback about your needs or limits. The second one is mindfulness. Mindfulness of your beliefs and behaviours can help you to slow down in automatic reactions you have in the world. Number three is practice saying no. An essential boundary skill is the ability to say no when something doesn't feel right for you. Watch for a tendency to say yes without thinking things through. And the fifth, sorry, the fourth item is honour your yes. 
Healing involves your commitment to self-care and a willingness to turn towards your yes. This process requires that you acknowledge your own needs and recognise that others can and want to provide for you. The fifth item on her list is ask for what you need. Practice making requests. This process requires tolerating your own disappointment when requests are denied. Moreover, if your request is honoured, you may need to challenge yourself to tolerate the closeness of someone taking care of you. Okay, so I really like this list because in my opinion, it fits really well with some of the key concepts of dialectical behavioural therapy. Dialectical behavioural therapy, as you will know if you've listened to other episodes, is a type of therapy practice or therapy philosophy that I found incredibly helpful in working on managing the symptoms of my borderline personality disorder diagnosis. I don't have access to a formal DBT therapist because it's just simply out of my price range. However, I do work with a therapist who has experience of working with BPD clients and I've sought out DBT learning in online peer groups which have been incredibly helpful. So what I thought I would do for the purpose of this episode is to go through each of those five practices and to talk about, in my opinion and my experience, how those of us with BPD specifically might implement some of these practices and perhaps some of the particular challenges or issues that might come up. Of course, we're all different. Obviously, not everyone who has BPD is the same. I do think we have a lot of commonalities, though, and I'm hoping that by discussing some of the issues that come up for me with these practices, you will find something helpful too. So let's start with body awareness. I really like this because one of the things that I've struggled with is to be able to recognise and name my emotions. Some years ago, I found it really difficult to know what was going on within me emotion-wise, unless I was in extreme anger or extreme suicidality or extreme fear. Basically, a very extreme emotion where I was at the point of having an emotional crisis or in an emotional crisis. But when it came to recognising and understanding what I was actually feeling in a more day-to-day sense, I found that really difficult. And one of the things that I found really helpful in starting to get more aware of what was going on within me was to start paying attention to my body sensations. Now, there are several ways that I personally have done that. One way that I've used is a body scan. Body scan is a kind of mindfulness meditation and I think it's more accessible to those of us who might get really triggered if we're focusing on our thoughts and emotions. If, Like, for example, if you're in an emotional crisis and you're in, in a state of panic, it's quite difficult to sit still and focus on what's going on in your thoughts or what's going on emotion-wise because it might just feel so overwhelming. But with a body scan or with some kind of physical activity that gets you in contact with your body, whether that be yoga or walking or jogging or even paying attention to a part of your body. Let's say you hold something and you pay attention to how your fingers feel and how your hands feel. That can be a slightly more accessible way of starting to tune into what's going on within your body. And I think the more that I get in touch with my body and in turn what I'm feeling, the more able I am to recognise what I need in that moment. For example, I have realised that when I have a heaviness in my chest, that means 
I'm sad. When I have a tightness in my upper arms, that tends to mean fear. It can also mean anger. And now that I know that, if I start noticing that I've got really intense tightness in my upper arms, that's a signal to me that, okay, I'm anxious and I'm angry. And I can start thinking about, well, what am I anxious about and what am I angry about? And that in turn gives me some information that I can use to potentially set a boundary if I need to. Now, the next item on the list is good old mindfulness. You've heard me talk about mindfulness on this podcast. Mindfulness is also quite trendy now. I think mindfulness is a really key aspect of working with BPD symptoms. The lovely thing is that there are different ways of doing mindfulness. We don't all have to sit cross-legged and do a, an extended mindfulness meditation. I think for many of us, finding the ability to focus for five minutes can be quite challenging. So we need to be realistic about where we are and work with ourselves rather than against ourselves, in my opinion. Over time, I think it, it becomes easier to sit for longer with our emotions. But if you can't sit with your emotions or even what's going on in your mind or your body for more than a few minutes or a minute, that's okay. Just start where you are. Now, what I really like about mindfulness in the context of setting boundaries is the fact that I can start noticing my thoughts rather than just being a sort of slave to my thoughts. I have a thought and then I act on it. Mindfulness gives me that little bit of a detachment where I can go, oh, okay, I'm noticing I'm thinking this. And then that gives me a few more choices in terms of how I act in the world. So as an example, rather than get to the point where in a personal interaction or in a work interaction, I'm suddenly finding myself suicidal or really despondent and in despair or rageful or in some extreme emotion, if I'm able to start practicing some form of mindfulness, I start to recognise quicker what my thoughts are and what my emotions are and what my body sensations are if emotions feel too challenging to name and sit with initially. And the key aspect of this for me is consciously taking a non-judgmental stance. So I'll give you an example. I I was at the gym the other day and I was on the treadmill next to this guy who was kind of doing shadow <laughs> sort of shadow boxing when he was on the treadmill. I had this thought that was really judgy where I was like, oh my God, look at this macho expletive, expletive. And I was on the treadmill and I, rather than kind of get lost in that thought or start beating myself up for having that thought, because I have a certain amount of mindfulness practice under my belt, I practiced going, oh, look at this. I'm noticing I'm having this thought about this guy that he looks a certain way because he's shadow boxing on the treadmill. I'm making a judgment about him. That's an example of taking a mindful, slightly more detached approach to what you're thinking and feeling. To recap, if you can start a practice of initially paying attention to body sensations, moving on to paying attention to what you're thinking and feeling and consciously employing a non-judgmental stance, it will get easier to get on an ongoing basis, a sense of what's going on within you. When you practice paying attention mindfully and consciously adopting a non-judgmental stance, 
in situations that are low intensity, like, for example, the one I shared about the guy on the treadmill next to me, you build your muscle, your mindfulness muscle, if you will, your observing muscle. And that then becomes more accessible when you're in a high intensity situation like an interpersonal conflict if your rejection or abandonment fears have been triggered for example. The key word then about practice is that it's a consistent thing that you cultivate regularly and don't get me wrong there's no way of doing this perfectly and in my experience I have days and weeks where I'm able to be more consistent and days and weeks for example when I've had a lot of stressors hitting me more difficult. Sometimes what I find is that I have to take a step back from mindfulness and focus on distress tolerance which is just about firefighting and making sure that as I'm in a state of intense emotionality I don't make the situation worse by acting on an urge that could harm me or harm people around me or both. Please try and be gentle with yourself. This is a long-term process. It's not a quick fix. It's a way that you can start practicing in your life an awareness of yourself that will in turn lead to healthier, clearer and more authentic boundaries. Practice saying no is absolutely crucial we need to learn how to say no to certain things. Before we say no, we need to learn what we need to say no to and what I need to say no to might be different from what you need to say no to. As someone with BPD, saying no is incredibly difficult for me because coming from that black and white all or nothing, either I was completely in agreement with you and completely putting you on a pedestal and completely your best friend, this extremes of adulation, or completely the other extreme. I can't stand you. I've cut you off. You've ruined my life. We don't have anything in common. That all or nothing is the classic BPD symptom, isn't it? With classic BPD thinking. So one of the most challenging things for me personally has has been to be in a relationship with someone. And by that, I mean a friendship or a work relationship and say no and maintain that relationship. One of the little tips I was given that I highly recommend is to start practicing saying no in low risk situations. So rather than in an intimate relationship where it's going to be difficult for you, if it's a new skill for you, you practice saying no to something that's more banal, if you will. Let's say you're out getting a coffee and the person serving you says, do you want sugar? And you might just go, oh yes, not to offend them. You say no. I mean, I don't know if that's the best example, but it's the one that comes to mind. But find situations in your day-to-day life where there's a little bit of discomfort involved in saying no, but it's not a huge deal. And what will happen is that as you practice that, you build that muscle, it gets easier to start thinking about saying no in more high-risk situations where emotionally perhaps it might be more challenging for you to do that. Saying no is really important. And I want to add that hearing no from others is also really important. Now, one of the things that I struggle with as a person with borderline personality disorder is feeling rejected. My emotions physiologically are extremely strong. The trigger that I have 
when I perceive rejection or abandonment is extreme. And I know that anyone who's got BPD can identify with that. However, if we're cultivating meaningful lives and we're cultivating resilience and we're cultivating the ability to have and maintain healthier relationships and more sustainable relationships, we do need to get used to people saying no to us. Now, I'm not talking about someone just being nasty and abusive or rejecting you in a way that you don't need to put up with. I'm talking about sometimes people don't want to do stuff and they'll say no. And I've always found that really difficult to deal with. I take it as a personal insult or I make it into a story about myself that it isn't necessarily. It's just that person saying no. This is where mindfulness is really helpful because let's say you're in a situation and you say to a friend, oh, do you want to go out to the cinema this evening? And they go, actually, no, I'm not really into seeing the film that you've suggested, let's say. Rather than as an example, get really upset and then think, well, the friendship's over or think they hate me. And then that become a whole storyline in itself. Where mindfulness can help is that you might be able to start going, okay, I'm noticing that I'm thinking that they think this about me or I think that. It just gives you that little bit of detachment. And then once you get that little bit of detachment and space, it becomes easier to start thinking through, are they actually saying that they don't like me and they don't want to be around me? No, not necessarily. It just gets you into what in dialectical behavioural therapy is called more of a wise mind space rather than an, an emotion mind space. I hope that makes sense. Practice saying no, that is something to start doing. Now, the next one is honour your yes, which I really, really like because this is something that I found was easier to start doing for me than practice saying no. Honouring my yes is, as Dr. Ariel Schwartz says in the article, honouring my commitment to self-care. Now, for me, there are certain basics with my self-care that are not to be compromised. They are non-negotiable. Those include taking my medication, having a sleep routine, eating regular meals, not doing certain things like drinking or substance misuse, not eating in certain ways that fuels my eating disorder. Those are some of the basics. Obviously, there are others. Another one for me is I need time to rest. Even if I'm thinking I should do something in quotes because other people are doing it or because I've been asked to do it or because I feel some sense of responsibility to do it. Unless it's really, really urgent, if I need to rest, then the rest is my priority. And honouring my yes would be making that commitment to resting or making that commitment to doing what I need to do for my mental health. I think that the point of this is that when we are able to honour those things that we know we need for our self-care, we send a message to ourselves that we value ourselves. And that really can help to build ourselves up and start believing that we are people who deserve to have boundaries and to set limits in our lives. So the next and last item on this list is ask for what you need. Now, this is something I really find difficult. I am habitually programmed to 
go, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I'm I'm also, as someone who was very disconnected from my body, I didn't know what, what I needed physically even. I couldn't tell if I was tired. I couldn't tell if I was lonely. I couldn't, I, I really couldn't tell. And if you can't tell what's going on within you, it's really difficult to even identify what you need, let alone ask for it. So once again, just going back to the first couple of items on the list, that's where body awareness and mindfulness can be really helpful. And I do want to stress that one of the key concepts of practice is that you do it consistently. None of us are going to do it perfectly, okay? If you find it really difficult to ask for what you need, let's say in an intimate relationship or in a work situation, even just starting to think about what you might ask for, what you would want to ask for can be helpful, writing it down maybe. Now, Dr. Ariel Schwartz in this article makes a really interesting point. She says, if your request i.e. you ask for what you need. And if your request is honoured, you may need to challenge yourself to tolerate the closeness of someone taking care of you. And I think this is really, really interesting because I know that I struggle with this and I think that a lot of people with BPD and frankly, people without BPD struggle with this. For some of us, actually being treated with compassion and with kindness and being told, yes, I will do that for you, can be quite challenging. It can feel really unfamiliar. So it's not just about feeling rejected or not getting your needs met. It's also about learning to accept having your need acknowledged and granted. And there really isn't enough space in this podcast. And I also don't have the expertise to go into a lot of detail about that. But I I think it's something certainly to consider and to think about with your therapist or to think about yourself, if that resonates for you. Those are five sort of strategies that you can start using to build your boundaries. Bearing in mind, it's a long process. We all go at different paces. We all come from different places. Some of us are going to find certain things easier than others. For example, I find it now relatively easy to honour my yes. I have a better sense of what I need. I'm more willing to assert myself and advocate for myself and say, you know what, I need to do this for me and I'm going to do this. What I find a lot harder is saying no and asking for what I need. I'm starting to be able to do that better as I feel more trusting of myself and the other people around me, some of them it's still hard. You might find it much easier to say no and to practice body awareness and much harder to do the things you need to care for yourself. I think I'm going to leave it there for today. As always, I hope you found some useful takeaways in this short episode on boundaries and BPD. It's a little frustrating to me to not be able to cover more things in more detail because of course, boundaries are such a massive topic. What I would really appreciate is if you can pop me some feedback via Twitter. I am at beyond the B-O-R-D-E-3 on Twitter or search for Beyond the Borderline and you should find my account. If I get enough feedback and enough suggestions, I will do another episode on boundaries taking into consideration the feedback that I've received. I know this is a big topic for many people and particularly for many of us with BPD because we can struggle so intensely in our interpersonal relationships. The good news is that there is 
a way to enjoy healthier relationships. There is treatment and there are strategies for those of us with BPD that can help us to navigate our relationships and our relationships with ourselves included in healthier and more loving ways. I wish you a peaceful 24 hours ahead and at the very least a few peaceful moments in your day and I look forward to catching up with you next time. Peace.